Hey, I'm Drew. Welcome to Movies and Mocha's Caffeinated Film Talks. This is where we drink coffee and discuss our favorite movies. Each week, one of my friends and I will talk about a different movie. So brew your favorite coffee, relax, and let's get started. Welcome back to Movies and Mocha's Caffeinated Film Talks. I'm here today with Justin Eaton. And we are going to be talking um, about stunts, about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and just everything in between. Whatever comes up, no subject unbroached. Yes. Thank you so uh, much so, for having me. Thanks thanks for coming on. It's It's been a little bit, but we finally got it. Yes, yes. Thank you for making some time. Definitely. Um, so first, how did you get into the world of stunts? Um, I'm going to use a... I'm gonna use a an awe kind of line. Uh, I fell into it. Um, I just, I got very lucky. I started in gymnastics when I was very young and I did that till I was about 11, 10 or 11. And then I didn't do anything for about a year. And I started getting pretty husky as a kid. Uh, and my mom was like, you have to go do something. And a kid at my bus stop uh, was a black belt in martial arts. And I ended up, he, he ended up inviting me to the school and I went and I loved it absolutely fell in love with it. It took over my life. Um, every day from open to close. If I wasn't at home or at school, I was at the martial arts school, um, which got me into doing uh, live performance shows. I was on their demo team. And then I started uh, working with a team called Sideswipe. Uh, and we did a bunch of live performance shows, um, halftime shows, corporate events, things like that. And uh, there was one show in particular we did where we would always make up, you know, stage fight scenes. Uh, but nothing was like big hard wrecks, throws and stuff like that. It was always just like, ah, and someone flies away. It doesn't trick. Um, and then there was one show in particular that we did out in Palm Springs, I want to say. And it was the first time I put on a gator back, which is that big plastic spine that protects your back. Um, and I took a punch and I had to do what's called a seiyuchin or a front, uh, front three quarter, fell on my back. And I was like, this is really cool. Is there a way I can like just do this? Uh, and so I ended up, uh, long, long story short, I ended up coming in for a free day, uh, what I like to refer to as free biz. Um, but I, I went in for a day for J.J. Perry, who I don't know if you're aware of his name, but he is huge, um, just a monster talent, super intelligent. He just actually finished directing a film with Jamie Foxx. Um, and that was my first day. I came in, took one reaction and I remember hitting the ground after doing the first take and waiting for it to be over and thinking, this is my new job. Like, I have to figure out how, how to make this my job. Um, yeah, and I had already moved out to Los Angeles, and I got very lucky. I met some of the most phenomenal performers of my era. Uh, my first couple of weeks there, um, I met Aaron Tony, who has been Anthony Mackie's double for many, many years. Uh, Fernando Chin, Holland Diaz, Thayer Harris. Um, I grew up. Uh, or it came up really on the circuit and moved out to Los Angeles and started performing regularly with Chris Brewster. And that was the whole sideswipe gangs. I, I got supremely lucky and just met some stellar people who were willing to kind of trade knowledge with me um, and ultimately help me get in the door. That's awesome. So um, pretty lucky. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I'm learning that like almost every industry is, uh, it's a who you know more than anything else. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's well, how, that's and, how and it is so much. Is, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, especially stunts being such a social business, um, there, there's a lot of social jobs that require you to be social with people. 
Um, but stunts, um, almost exclusively, like you don't get work through an agency. You know, you don't, you know, get a spot on NCIS through your agent. Um, it's, it's through hearsay. It's through people talking about you, asking about you and things like that. Um, so not only like the people, you know, but when early on those people shape you, so it's not even the opportunities they can give you or, or the people that they might know ultimately, it's really kind of helping to shape you into someone that could work in the industry, uh, and just kind of understanding the ins and outs. And again, I got super lucky with just stellar human beings, uh, when I was getting out to LA. That's very interesting. That's cool. So you most recently worked on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Wyatt, Wyatt Russell as his stunt double for John Walker slash U.S. agent. Um, what was that like, establishing such a new character into the MCU? Man, exciting. Yeah. Uh, really exciting. Um, especially since, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to double some other people uh, in the MCU in previous years, but I'd never been the first person to do it for the most part, with the exception of Stick, uh, the character that I had uh, doubled, uh, Scott Glenn on Daredevil, season one, season two, long ago. Um, but I doubled for Doctor Strange and for Punisher, uh, Captain America, but I was never like the first foot in the door. Uh, someone else had already kind of set things up. And this was the first time I got to walk in and go, clean slate. I can I can hopefully, with Dave McCumber's blessing, our fearless leader, um, who was very kind and giving me a lot of trust and freedom um, creatively. So I got to come in and just make everything how I thought it should be done. Um, and I got really lucky. Wyatt had a great response to it, really enjoyed what I was doing. Dave uh, seemed to enjoy it as well. And he's always got those final tweaks to kind of make the things. But uh, it was a really exciting prospect to go in and just create something new. Um, with a new character and try to make some new kind of style for someone that, you know, kind of obviously looks and moves a bit like Captain America, but you don't want to be Chris Evans when you're not Chris Evans anymore. You know, it's, it's a whole new thing. So it was really fun to do that. And it was such a gift, uh, really like a very, very rewarding job. I loved it. Yeah. I noticed one detail throughout the whole film is that they wanted Walker to be like you would recognize him as Captain America, but he was just different than what you would always remember. And one of my biggest uh, things is in, I think, episode two on the uh, trucks on the highway fight, right when Walker comes in, the music that plays is like the Captain America theme piece, but it's just different. So you first hear it yeah. and you're like, oh, wait, oh, but no. And I kind of noticed right. that like for the rest of the time, like that was kind of the underlying theme of a lot of things with Walker. Was it yeah, enough definitely. that you're like, what? But it's just different. Well, and that certainly played into, you know, um, it's always great to have fans that are that are very excitable. They're so attached to things. But the Marvel fans, man, I appreciate them. But sometimes I'm afraid of them. <laughs> they can be brutal. Um, and I know why it felt that. And I think part of that thing of every time you saw him on camera, is a touch of that Captain America, that that music or that tone or that visual. And then you'd see Wyatt and everyone would get upset. And then people kind of translated it into real life. And, and Wyatt was like, okay, I'm just, I'm the actor. Everyone can relax. Um, but I think they did, they did an excellent job in trying to show you someone that you almost didn't want to see. 
in a sense. It's it, you at times you didn't want him to succeed, and you're just like, I, I hate this guy. But something in there, you just part of you, even just a little bit, was kind of like, all right, but I'm interested. What what's he going to do next? What's going to happen with his character? Uh, and I think uh, Wyatt just did a phenomenal job uh, stepping into a mantle, and, and again, uh, the Marvel machine, as we always refer to it, it uh, it can gobble you up and spit you out. Um, so I give him a lot of props to be able to just come in to, to a treadmill that's on 35 and full incline. And he just, you know, he kept pace and he did his thing, um, under very difficult circumstances. So I give, I give Wyatt all the props in the world for that. Yeah. I know people like that, that are just crazy fans like that just blow my mind that they can't separate reality versus what's on screen. Yeah. Um, well, and but... it's interesting, especially with the pandemic, it, it kind of, everyone was home for at least six months. So, yeah. so much of your actual interactions go away and then you're just, you're at home and that, that becomes your world. And then what you're watching and what you're spending your time doing become your world. So I think people just become more and more invested, the, you know, the more we end up spending time at, at home and not experiencing more. Um, but yeah, it's a bit scary sometimes. It's a bit scary. Yeah, I think why it did really well. I I know when I was watching the show, um, I always was like, I hate that. Like, I hate the character of John Walker, but I don't hate him as much as I hate what he represents in like just someone else other than like Steve Rogers as Captain America. Uh, but then I really was invested when like I started seeing how well Wyatt did with like the insecurities of the character. You know, coming out, especially like in episode four, he goes mm. literally insane. And I was blown away at how well Wyatt portrayed that. It was insane. Oh, yeah. I, he, he did such a phenomenal job. I mean, we all, um, you know, it's it's funny throughout the process. Sometimes you get scripts from the shows you work on. Marvel is very tight with their security sometimes, so you don't get to see everything. But um, to have better context of a lot of these things, uh, Mr. McCumber uh, was able to at least get a script that we could sit, we could read, and then we could get back. Um, and so as we were all reading through it uh, as a team, because we're trying to get our, our minds wrapped around it, you know, when it leads up to this fight, what just happened right before? What's the state that people are in? And, uh, you know, where are they working to? How, ultimately, where does it go? And we were re read through a number of those scenes and, and, and fights that came through. And it, it was funny how much potential we saw, how many different ways it could be done. But there are, there's a lot of ways that things can be done done wrong. Uh, it's really easy, especially in that kind of scenario, to just pick a single note and, and, and just run with it. But Wyatt did such an amazing job showing range in such small, subtle ways. And I've had a number of people, um, former military, even say it, he captured it. You know, when you have that PTSD and you, and you have uh, those things that have happened in war and, and stuff that you can't forget, stuff sometimes that keeps you up at night, um, that's, that's how you feel. And that's how those interactions come out of you sometimes, even when you don't want them to, when they're not really yourself. Um, but you know, you lean on your support system and you do what you can and, and everyone has just said, it, Wyatt nailed it. You did a great job, great job. Yeah. I know, uh, especially in episode four, like all the twitches he would do. Um, I did, I was researching some stuff for uh, Jurassic World 2. And one of them was like how uh, mentally ill patients who are going insane, like do like full body tremors. It was a long rabbit trail that I ended up getting to that research. But um, 
from dinosaurs to mentally insane people. But uh, a lot of the research I found uh, was like when people are losing their mind, you know, they just have involuntary like tremors and twitches and all that kind of stuff. And and I noticed a lot of that. Um, and that's what like really got me hooked into it, especially with episode four, is like you could just see that decline um, till that big fight at the end when he snaps. And it's like those little things that I noticed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's actually happening. And it was so interesting to see it all. Um, yeah, uh, it's when we had to uh, when we go in and we um, previs a fight. We'll get a we'll get a, a script or a scene, and coordinator sits with the director, has a meeting. They decide what it should look like, how it should move. He comes to us. We start putting everything together, and then we we film it ourselves. We film a fight scene, and you know any pieces of dialogue that might come up, um, especially at the beginning or the end of a scene. Um, we went through many different versions of the episode 104 fight top of four top of five sorry I can't the warehouse right one um yes top of five i think that was top of five mm-hmm. top of five um, four four ended so with him slamming the shield yes it did yeah. <laughs> um we went through so many versions of that fight because first there's always the script is always evolving it's always changing but we, we we put forth a version of that fight and we were told we would only have so much time to film it in and it was not enough time. Um, and so the answer was to shorten, to cut down, to change. And we got very lucky and the previs of that fight ended up on Kevin Feige's laptop. And apparently he loved it. And he said, whatever time they need, give them. And so that's my favorite fight uh, of the show. Uh, I might be biased because I'm involved in it, but uh, it's kind of our, we call, we always called it our Civil War 2.0 fight. Um, it's very was, obvious was, that it's the Civil War 2.0. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just, we wanted to steal a couple of, of visuals from the initial fight to try and give it that feel and then change up as much as we can and really tie what's going on in the show and emotionally i mean what what walker's going through what sebastian's going through what mac is and that they're all in their own separate journeys and they all just poof, slam into this one room at this very peak time and no one is on the same team even though it is walker versus them they, they disagree with each other as well so there's so much emotion in that scene and so I'm, I'm very thankful to kevin feige for giving us the time to put that that fight up on screen um and capture it but uh, yeah, we went through many versions of that fight, and um, <sighs> yeah, I, I, again, that's uh, I, I'm just thinking about because we got we got one whole week to film that fight, and it was a brutal week. <laughs> um, I had actually had nerve damage in my foot the week oh, before. Oh wow! Um, I just barely got cleared by the doctors. Uh, I actually, in between takes, was wearing a. Uh, uh, not a, not a fabric cast, but I was essentially wearing a boot in between takes. So I'd be in the full costume and a boot in my right foot. Um, Here's the thing is, did anyone get pictures of that? I'd have to look. I don't yeah. know if anyone did, because um, not a lot of photos get taken on set. Um, Marvel security is, is, is on it. It's on it. Um, we sneak what we can because, I mean... I totally understand. Every time we start a show, we, we sign NDAs. We don't want to ruin it for anybody either. Uh, I, I know the last thing I want to do is work hard on a show and then ruin it before it comes out. Um, 
but I can totally understand Marvel security being as serious as they are because so often people, even innocently, end up leaking things and they give things away and uh, it just ruins it for everybody else. And, and it kind of, in a way, can kind of take away everyone's hard work, you know, especially when they're trying to keep things quiet and make it a big surprise, a big reveal, and it ends up on Instagram two months before it comes out. Uh, yeah. But I'll have to see if there are boot pictures. I do have photos of the boot itself because I put a little US agent shield on the side of it. <laughs> when, we were, uh, when I was sitting there with it elevated, but I just feel like that'd be an yeah. interesting picture of the the Walker outfit with just a boot. I gotta see. I'll have to ask yeah. some people if they have some because there's continuity photos somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of leads into my next question. Was my it was going to be what was your favorite scene to film on the show? That was that was Fight definitely scene. it. Yeah. Um, Again, because it was such an emotional scene. And I think, you know, a lot of times some people get pigeonholed and put in this box that you know, we're, we're adrenaline junkies, we're jocks. Um, we just we just live for the excitement. But And there are some. <laughs> I won't argue with that. Um, but, but a lot of us, especially nowadays, with the, with the ability to have the equipment to be able to film what we never would have been able to before when i first started in the business we didn't have access to this kind of equipment knowledge and um so to be able to be more than just a you know a fall down guy a ground pounder as they might call it uh you learn to continue to tell stories and i think uh that's one of the things that actually to me makes the job of a choreographer and a fight coordinator the most difficult is because to me it's 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 very simple to make punch kick punch kick uh, but to make it actually mean anything and to, and to have people care uh, and continue to tell a story, that, that takes a little bit more finesse and it takes some more thought. Um, and so that being a scene that was, it, Walker is in such a state. Um, I, coined, I coined the name Angry Cat because he starts out as, as, as Walker, as Captain America. He's just trying to do the best thing he can. Um, but then there's that change in four. You know, there's a slow, gradual one, and then it hits that peak. And he's a new person now. That the person he was is no longer there. And he's going to fight differently. And even when Wyatt and I were training for that scene, there was transitions. It was, this is how you fight before episode four, or before episode five. This is the new way that we do things from five to the end. Um, because it's different. It's changed. And he agreed uh, very much. And so to be able to just continue to tell the story and be a part of that um, is very meaningful to me. Uh, it, it's, it's always nice to go, oh, I got to do this crazy descent. I jumped out a, a you know, 30 story window and did, you know, it, on fire. Like that's, you know, that's always a rewarding thing in its own way. But to me, uh, being able to put emotion across on screen without using words, literally using punches, throws and kicks, um, that's, that's difficult and it's fun to be able to accomplish it. And I think we did. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw it whether I, I, so I feel like a lot of people did. Um, what's it like being a fight choreographer, like creating all of that for everyone? Like, um, yeah. I, um, of just like creating all those moves. Is well, it's, it, uh... I was going to say, is it more of just like, um, imagine what would happen like instinct based on that person because since people have different styles is it obviously everything has to be choreographed and well thought out beforehand but just what's it like creating all of that 
Well, I think it, it's always it's always a collaborative thing to me. If it's if it's not collaborative, I, I think you're going to end up very single noted. Um, and I was very lucky to have, uh, well, Dave McCumber himself, just a phenomenal choreographer, but he was very busy being the boss. Um, but to have another name who's phenomenally talented, just a beast, uh, Dan Carter, just a, an amazing brain. Um, and so a, lo a lot of the choreography uh, that Dave um, wasn't able to do or, or be the part of the beginning of or whatever it was, he would pass on to Dan or myself. And we collaborate so well. Um, everything, everything is just very smooth. And so when, when we start, especially when we're talking about that scene, that was one of the first fights that we actually started choreographing. I have video of, of I think it's day two, and we're already working on that fight. Um, and we didn't shoot it for, geez, eight months after that. Um, but I remember as, as we started to go through, and, and as I said, I wanted to make it a little cap, but, but not really. Like ultimately enough, just seeing the guy in the suit and the shield is going to be enough. Okay, okay, this is kind of a Captain America thing. So initially, when we came in, um, some of the wire work that we were playing with, I love, I love being on wires and being able to throw those moves and things. Um, I started throwing some things, and we even recorded some. And I found myself kind of thinking, I don't think this would be Walker. And I always, I had um, a number of us did this. Uh, John and Nia, who doubled Sebastian, had Winter Soldier as this lock screen on his phone. Anthony Mackie, uh, or um, Aaron Tony had Falcon on his, and I had a photo of US agent. And the three of us, because we spent so much time together, the three of us all kind of tried to just as much as we could identify with these characters. So we did a lot of research. We do a lot of reading. Um, I looked into US agent for a long time before we started the show. And even just in still photos, he just comes across like, I decided to assign him an animal as his style, which was a bull, because there's so many of those photos where you just, he's just broad and stocky and marching down. Whereas a lot of times I think you'd see Steve Rogers still standing tall, but he's going to do 10 extra things to avoid contact with somebody or, or, or avoid, you know, a, a strike coming in or something like that. He's going to throw a trick, something acrobatic. Whereas Walker being, the bull would either strong arm through it, bastard it, let it pass by, use it against them kind of thing. But he's not very acrobatic, um, but he's very strong. Uh, in the comic books, they even, they talk about Walker being stronger than Steve Rogers um, and actually being able to, to beat Rogers. But, you know, they always go toe to toe. They go back and forth. Um, but that was something that always stuck with me. If you're stronger than Steve Rogers, you have a shield, and ultimately they're they're two warriors from two different wars. Um, Rogers coming up through World War II and, and Nazis and, and and the whole thing, and now we have a, a modern uh, kind of warrior, a, a new military man who has to approach the same problems, but but very differently. And his training is going to dictate that as well. More aggressive. Economy in motion. Everything's a straight line. I'm not going to throw an aerial or a B-twist to avoid this. I'm going to run straight at you. And so that was always the approach that I had from Walker's side was anything that comes through, I'm either strong enough to move through it. I'm going to stop it and I'm going to send it right back. Um, but so, yeah, we ended up moving away from a lot of the wire work and, and a lot of 
the wire work that ended up getting used was on other people that Walker was fighting as opposed to on Walker himself. Um, and, and Aaron, Tony, I mean, he's been doubling Falcon since you saw Falcon on screen. So he, that is locked in for him. He can make that stuff for days. Um, and John, this was John's first outing doubling Sebastian, but John, John is an even bigger comic book nerd than I am. <laughs> um, he's heavily invested in all this stuff and knows all the ins and outs. A lot of the reading material I actually got for Walker was from John. Oh, nice. Um, so, so he's heavily invested and John is a great storyteller. Um, John actually has written some awesome scripts, uh, that I really hope get made, um, but so he, he also tries to come from, we're telling a story and there's plenty of, of winter soldier material out there, but I think John also wanted to try and make it a little different again. Um, so yeah, we all just tried to kind of bring our own flavor, but we came with plenty of material and, and luckily uh, Dave McCumber gave us a lot of trust to kind of move in a direction and, and he helped kind of guide us into more of that storytelling more and more as we went. Um, yeah, I'd have to say that the overall answer is that it's always collaborative. Come in with what you believe it should be, but be open to everything else. And um, I think all the best choreographers and fight coordinators and stunt coordinators think that way. That's awesome. Um, and people are starting to bring more recognition to that. Uh, I just remembered you specifically, as well as John and Dave and Aaron all got Emmy nominations. Yes, and, and Hank Amos, our overseeing And Hank, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So congratulations to that. Thank you so much. I'm flabbergasted by it. <laughs> yeah. And this if is, I'm I think, the, the first year that those awards, um, those categories are added. So I yes. think it's, people are so, starting to realize. Well, they've had, the um, stunt the coordinators have been able to be, yes, absolutely. Um, they've had stunt coordinator uh uh, categories in the past. Not all the award shows have them. Uh, this is the first year that they are having performers being recognized, um, which, I mean, it gives me chills right now um, because it's, it's not always, you know, you get into stunts and, and ultimately you work in the shadows. That's your job. You know, the most famous part of me is this. <laughs> Nobody sees my face. That's kind of the whole thing. Um, and so it, it is really nice and, um, to have the recognition because I think, you know, there, I, could, I could talk for hours about union stuff and, and, and how political things can be. But I think a little bit more of the recognition that we can get, a little bit more part of the conversation we can be as well, um, which I think is important uh, for all departments. Um, you know, just, just getting uh, the time and, and respect for that time that you can get uh, and for your professionalism. And so... To me, it speaks volumes to, to that. I think it's a it's a great kudos to the community. Um, we all really appreciate that kind of support, especially, you know, there was the Stand Up for Stunts, um, Stunt Oscars, all those hashtags that were going on for a while. And, um, you know, it, it means a lot because we, you know, we don't put our lives on the line every day, um, but we take on that risk. And there are plenty of days that, you know, you'll see a stunt performer do something and you're like, he gets paid how much just to do that? But then there are those days, there are those days you don't want to be in that seat and you don't want to do take 25 of the stair fall. You don't want to get hit by the car again. Um, you know, stunts are always featured in those teasers for movies. You know, even, even uh, you know, a rom-com, I guarantee that male lead is going to fall down a hill 
or he's going to get tasered or something like that. And so stunts are everywhere. Um, even sometimes when you don't realize you've just watched a stunt performer get pretty mauled. Um, there's one shot in particular. I can't remember. It's uh, Adam Sandler movie with Chris Rock and David Is it grown-ups? Um, or is it grown-ups yes. too? The so tire? Oh no! Oh, the tire thing looks gross. Um, oh, that's <laughs> but awful. the the in the first movie, the stocky comedian Kevin Kevin James. Yes, Kevin James's character is doing a rope swing. Oh and he ends yes. up getting uh, caught up on a tree branch, and his double does a taco from like twelve feet into a hill. So, so what's a taco? So my neck. So a taco is essentially, if I fell backwards out of this chair, mm -hmm. and the first thing to touch the ground is this part of my shoulders, okay, and my feet go over my head as well. Um, <laughs> I wish I had room to show you, uh, but essentially, it's like it's like that yoga pose when you're on your shoulders and you put your feet on the ground behind you, but you do that from standing. You throw yourself at the ground yeah. and you go, and you fold over. Well. So if you're doing that on a flat surface, it's already pretty crappy because you're trying to protect your neck, you're trying to protect your head, so you're trying to get balled up like this. Well, he does that from a swing, drops, I, I gotta say, it's gotta be at least 10 feet, at least 10 feet, into a hill. So his chin is, is, is touching his chest for sure, and he just oh, yeah. gets rocked and then rolls down the hill. And people are always like, oh my goodness, that's so funny. What you don't realize is that he definitely got jacked up. There's no way. Uh, I'd, I'd love to meet him because uh, I'm sure he felt that for days. And it probably wasn't the only take they did. But yeah, um, I was going to say, they had to do that at least a couple of times. I guarantee you take one. I'm sorry. Cameraman probably missed it. That's going to be my guess because uh, it, it happens a lot. Um, well, and that's I guess that's another kind of like uh, sidebars as far as uh, we were talking briefly about people making their own content and things like that and the availability of doing that now. Um, I didn't know this for the first few years I was in the industry, but our camera guys, our camera department, these guys are phenomenal. They can make any old thing look interesting it, it, and, and they'll, they'll find the correct lens for it. And they're working with their DP and their lighting and all that stuff. Ne these guys are excellent. There's a, there's a few that stood out to me very much. One of the first, uh, a camera ops that stood out to me, this guy named Bud Krim. And he would study our previs before we'd shoot it on first unit so that he knew what was coming. Um, and part of the reason they would do that is because there is no stunt camera work class when you're going to school to become a camera op or a camera's assistant. There, nothing has to do with capturing action, which is very different than finding your interesting over-the-shoulder shot of some dialogue or your 50-50. Um, not to say that that's easy, but it's a different game when you are dancing with people, choreography, and, and trying to make hits line up. Um, but there are some camera ops that really just go out of their way to not make you do it more than you need to. Um, quick story. There was a show, I won't say what show, uh, where a character... Two characters That's when you on know top it's gonna of be this three-story building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so they built a three-story set that's open on one side so they could crane down as these guys 
fall through three stories of a building and then hit concrete at the bottom. So they build the whole set, they get ready to go, and they're like, we, got, we only have one of these. Because the whole thing pretty much collapses in the take. So we get one shot at getting this right. So they do a couple tests, a couple tests. Yeah, great, we're gonna be great, we're gonna be great. Three, two, one, go. Zhu, zhu, zhu. Missed, you, you, saw, you saw that much. Um, and that, that, you know, a lot of factors go into that. They could be falling slower than, than they expected. They got hung up on more stuff. They were falling faster. They went through the debris faster. Um, and ultimately, when you only get one shot to get it right, uh, that's really difficult. However, if there were classes or, or a, uh, some kind of time you had to spend filming action for camera operators, that would be much easier. Um, on everybody, because then no one's learning anything new on the day. The, oh, yeah, we're doing this. We're going to. OK, great. We, we got it. Um, but yeah, some of those camera operators just stick out. And so part of the reason that a lot of stunt performers have started taking it upon themselves to learn camera angles, to learn after effects, audio, um, just the whole gambit. So we're we're an in-house, we're one-stop shop. We can break scripts down. We'll do your budgeting for you. We'll. Um, start going through your your uh, your script for fight scenes, previs all that. And then when we get there on the day, it's already shot exactly the way you would shoot it. We know the lenses that you could use for it, but this is just the way that we would do it. Here's your Bible if you want, um, so, which which is great. I, I think that's, a, that's an avenue that we all need to move into, um, especially with being recognized now uh, more publicly uh, with more categories and things like that. I think if you're going to stand up on a stage, even to be nominated, let alone win an Emmy, you should you should know every in and out of that business as much as possible and know what you don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's great that the industry moves that way and I think it's gonna open some some more eyes to what stunts can actually do for you, for production. Yeah. It's kind of like that saying, uh, jack of all trades, master of none is better than a master of one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, and it, it's funny. Uh, we always call uh, Dave McCumber. Say this every time. A man who will perpetually be overqualified for every job given to him. Um, we call him Master Dave because he breaks that rule. He is he is master of all. He is a jack of all trades, master of all, um, and a sponge. And he's one of those people that I think every time you you a production goes, oh, we're going to have the stunt coordinator in here. Oh, yeah, okay going to tell us stories of you know the olden days and yeah it's going to be fine you know uh it's going to be a cowboy but dave will walk in a room and he speaks their language he has options he has new ideas he's got ways to save money um and he's not the only one there's a lot of coordinators that are that are learning those those things now because there's just more that we need to do we're relied on more than i think people realize sometimes um and uh, we want to be able to do our best to help the other departments that we're working with as well. So being able to speak all the languages and work with everybody, that's really where, where Stunts is right now. We're ready to do it. Yeah, that's really cool. That's great. Um, so you kind of briefly talked on like how you've worked as like a Doctor Strange double, as Captain America double versus John Walker, um, and how this was really your first time introducing the character. What were some of like the biggest differences in 
doubling for a character that's already been created and already has been established um, instead of that clean slate that you mentioned? Uh, well, I remember when, when I got to double for Chris Evans on uh, Endgame. Uh, Which I came into Endgame. I heard is uh, you got to do the hammer scene. Yes. Which yes, I did. Holy crap! Biggest moment. Yeah, you and me both. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was really interesting because um, I'd come in to that. I uh, Monique Anderson took over uh, stunt coordinating for the reshoots, additional photography because it was I want to say it was like three months. Um, so it's not really reshoots after that. It's a lot. Um, but I remember getting there and I didn't know if I had had the job. Um, a number of people were actually brought in and essentially it was a, you know, a month long audition to, okay, uh, you make something, you perform something. Let's just see who does it better essentially. Uh, which is not always an environment I like. Um, but I was friends with everyone that was there. So there's no like hard feelings. No, no one's like looking over their shoulder or anything where, I love all those guys. Um, so when we came in, of course, the first thing they do is they go, okay, uh, we're here for reshoots. We know exactly what we need to shoot because uh, this is what we already shot and showed us Endgame. And I remember just going, what with the, the he's got the, the, the hammer, what, <laughs> what's going on? And so, um, yeah, they'd said, yeah, this is the moment where, you know, you realize, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until someone handed me, we have um, kind of fake props that we use when we're making previous stuff that's a little safe to make contact, usually wrap foam or something like that. So someone hands me a shield, and then they hand me the hammer, and it had left my brain. I was like, oh, no, uh, Thor. And they go, no, no, you. And I was like, oh. And that's when it really hit me. I was like, holy crap, this is insane. Just holding these two objects, even though they're just foam <laughs> handles. It's what they represent. It, it, yes, exactly. Uh, which was such a big deal, which only got all of us that were there and not sure who was going to have the job more excited. Um, so I have, I have probably three hours of footage of us just making up ideas and things that we could do with these objects together. Like, oh my God, we can do this, we can do this. Um, there's even a version in there uh, that they had done previously and that was part of what we were reshooting where uh, Cap takes uh, Molyneer and puts it on Thanos' foot Ooh. and because Thanos isn't worthy he can't definitely not worthy up. so Cap just tees off on him um, but yeah I mean that was really interesting because coming into that I asked a lot of questions be because it had been an established such an established character and one of the guys that had been there almost from the beginning James Young uh, was there with us. And so I asked James a lot and, and always got, uh, tried to get feedback from uh, Danny Hernandez. Who's another just uh, phenomenal, just uh, super knowledgeable, still an amazing performer. He does not need to perform anymore, but he could still roast us all. Um, and so I, I went to them a lot, you know, like, Hey, you know, is there anything in my movement, you know, something else I could do. And I, I kind of found my, my own, um, my own, my own way, my own way of thinking while I was doing the choreography that helped get it to the point where I thought it looked enough like the previous guys, like Sam, uh, Sam Pargrave, Jackson Spidell, all the, all these just huge talents that have worn that shield before. Um, and James and, and Danny thought it was good. And so I, I was 
lucky enough to be the one that got to go in and do that scene. Um, and I, I remember just vibrating. I was, I was so nervous. I, was abs- I knew that I was ready for it, that I was prepared, but I was so nervous. Because um, I also wanted it to sell. It didn't matter if I could do it really well. I needed to do it and look like this iconic character that everybody knows and recognizes. Um, but it went really well. I had um, was it, uh, uh, Joe Russo was there when we were shooting. I think we shot that scene for uh, two, three days. And he was so kind. I remember we had finished a lot of the things for that day. We were just doing some pickup shots and we were resetting for something else. And um, James goes, hey, James, uh, uh, or Justin, come on, come on over to monitor. Um, and so we're standing there and we're just watching the, the playback. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, I think that works. And James like, yeah, 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 no, I think it totally does. And Joe Russo was sitting in his directorship. Oh, here, sit down. <laughs> he gets out of his chair and he like sits me down. Cause I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's like, yes. <laughs> um, which, which was, it's a small thing, but for someone that uh, is so established and he, he and his brother, uh, Joe and Anthony, are, they're just phenomenal. Uh, they have they have the golden touch. Uh, they they know how to how to put out great content. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but they were executive producers on Community. Uh, I just watched show. it for the first time uh, this month, and like I am in love with it. And I knew that fact, but I forgot about it. And then I'm re and I'm watching it, and I see that they're like their names up on directing, producing, executive producers. And I was like, oh man, yeah. like this is one reason I love this show is it's it's so yeah. great. Well, it's, it's funny because some people will go, oh, yeah, you know, the Russo, you know, when they, they made their their stake for, you know, the Marvel films. And I go, no, 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 no. They've been crushing it for Community. a long time. You just might not have known them by name, but they've been destroying. Um, so anyway. They got, uh, they that, got that hired for Winter Soldier because yes. of their work on Community. Which, which is crazy because they're so different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, that, is, again, at a just a super rewarding experience. I'll never forget it. Um, but with that, obviously going in, you know, th- there are those nerves, uh, you know, wanting to make sure you look appropriate, that the people that hired you are happy with what you're doing as well. You always want to please them because um, they're ultimately, Monique took a chance on me. Uh, I, I will always say, and people are like, no, no, no. But to me, I always felt like she was um, to put someone that I had just met her months before and we had done one one job in New York together, and that was kind of my audition for her. And she goes, "Okay, cool, you can come." And you know, I'm practically a stranger. I'm a, I'm a hole in the wall. But she she saw something, and she took that chance on me. And then, you know, I can't be more thankful uh, to Monique for that. Um, she sounds uh, like the coolest it person. Helps to it. And the more Monique? that I yes, and the more I hear about her, and like I started following her on Instagram, and the more I see, it's like I just want to meet you because you look like the coolest person in the world. <laughs> Monique is pretty cool. Um, yeah, she she has a long history herself. Uh, originally coming up through uh, modeling and acting in Canada, um, she also did stunts up there as well. Um, came down to the states and just started just crushing it. She's been Charlize's double. I mean, she's doubled everything. I mean, every, every female you see on character, on, on camera, she's pretty much double. Uh, anyone within her height range. Um, she's such a phenomenal performer. She, she, she loves to, I think she, this is one of the things I really like about her is that she really leans into the performance, the acting of things. Because um, it, it's, it's vitally important. You could be the best on-camera fighter 
in the planet. Just, oh, everything's so clean. It's so crisp. Everything always sells. But is there any character to it? Are you, what are you telling me with it? That you know how to throw a right cross or that your, your grandmother just died or that, you know, like what's being portrayed in that? Um, and she always leans heavily into that. Even when we're, we're just, oh, a quick previs for a wire gag. Uh, great. The wire gag looks awesome, but he has a, you know, he, he's not responding over there. So reshoot it and make sure he's at, you know, she needs to do that. Like, so she has a very directorial kind of mind and she does a lot more second unit directing. Uh, nowadays. Um, and I think it's a great fit for her. Uh, second unit directing, I think is, is really, even if it continues into uh, first unit directing, but second unit directing is just her bread and butter. Um, she has the demeanor for it because there's so much crap that you have to deal with so often being a second unit director, first unit passes this shot over to you and, oh, you don't get this because you're second unit, you know. Um, but she just, she can roll with the punches and she gets so much done so quickly. Uh, so yeah, I'd say when you're down here, if you'd like to, uh, I'm sure you could meet Mel. I would love that. Yeah. yeah I, I totally think that that could be set up. Um, then you could interview her too. It'd be fun. I actually reached out to her uh, because of Loki, you know, came out and I saw she was um, show. worked on that. Uh, and so I did reach out to her uh, about that, but I also know she is filming a project. Um, Supremely busy right now. They're, and they're yeah. at the end, so it's the craziest time on the show. Um, yeah. But I'm sure if she has an opportunity, she'll get back. Oh, yeah. I'm not like uh, – I'm I again, because of following her on Instagram, it's like I see how busy she is. I'm like, I'm going to wait a little bit. But I definitely yeah. want she, to she, – She not yeah. only uh, second unit directs, um, in the craziest Marvel machine uh, that exists. She also has uh, this massive farm and dozens I and know. dozens and dozens of animals, horses. You getting woken up by goats is a regular thing for her. It's um, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, sorry, I, I got totally off track. Um, so going from Endgame to you know having those expectations and and you know those nerves going into a show with Dave McCumber reached out very early on um, about potentially uh, doubling somebody on the show. And John and I both were actually up to double Sebastian initially, um, which is, you know, again, John is, he's my brother, uh, absolute brother. Um, so either way, I got it. If he got it, we're both just stoked that it's happening for either one of us. And so we went into that situation just like, hey, we're just going to prepare. We even trained together. We did a lot of tactical work together and just like having that environment be very different. And then one day Dave said, hey, uh, there's this other guy who just just came across the table. Um, and so I need you guys to send me your sizes right now. So we literally took measurements. We send them off and they go, Justin, you're closer to uh, – to what this guy should be. Uh, Cause I, I was, while we were filming, I was probably like three times bigger than, than Wyatt. Um, Cause I was already just raging in the gym and doing all that stuff. Um, Cause I also didn't want to have to, it's yeah, a lot of people know this, but um, even if you are in great shape, 90% of the times they put muscles, muscles on you underneath that suit. Cause you know, it just, you look amazing. We want you to look extremely amazing. Um, and I didn't want to have to wear those muscles. So I did my best to try and lift and get as big as I could so I didn't have to wear them. Uh, but anyway, we, uh, 
that that whole thing came about, and they was like, "Hey, I'm gonna have you double this guy. He's going to be, um, he's Captain America. It's John Walker." And I went, John Walker, and I got really excited because that's when I realized th- this is a new character. I I can do something new with this, and with my experience as Cap, I can be certain it's new and that it's different. Um, so th- a lot of the pressure actually was gone because I knew that I could come in with a great team of people. Uh, me, Dave, uh, a guy that doesn't get mentioned often enough, Mike Wilson, uh, one of Dave's right-hand guys, phenomenal stunt performer and cameraman, editor, all-around guy. Uh, Kane Sinclair, who doubled Baron Zemo, another super creative guy, comes from a parkour background, but he is very much a filmmaker. Um, Dan Carter, same thing, just a phenomenal performer. Uh, you saw him, You saw him get knocked out <laughs> in Uncharted. Uh, he doubled. Um, he we doubled haven't seen it yet. Uncharted it. isn't out. Oh, not Uncharted. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's a video game. Uh, well, and it's a movie. Uh, the movie yes. is coming out, but it got pushed back again till next year. Chris Hemsworth. Why can't I think of the name of this film? Uh, Extraction. <laughs> there we go. Um, the movie Extraction, just from, you see him just get clean leak because he goes off a second story balcony and is supposed to go into a van and he just goes straight to the ground. Um, but he, he not only is, is a beast, he's incredibly creative. Um, and one of the kindest people I think I've ever met. Um, John and Neil, like I said, amazing. Just could write scripts and stories for days. Great performer. Aaron Tony. don't even need to talk about it. Insane. What an amazing, he's, he's the ninja. He's the real life ninja. Um, so you have, so I had all these amazing people around me. Um, and so I, I knew before I even got there day one, that things would be good. Um, and I was very lucky because the team, uh, the show went through a lot of different things. We got hit with the pandemic. We were supposed to go to Puerto Rico and they had uh, earthquakes that kept us from going. And then we went to Prague and we got pulled out and we went back to Prague and they were in lockdown. And so, we, we dealt with a lot of different things. And that's not even, you know, the regular production kind of side of things that you have to deal with inevitably. But I knew that having that team was going to make it okay, and they did. That whole team. Uh, David Warren, who's uh, the second Falcon double, just amazing performer. It's such a great heart. Uh, we had a number of people that we all know, like family uh, out here, uh, that all came and worked on the show. So it was, uh, it was a big supportive group. So it was a total difference in a lack of anxiety in being able to come in and make a new versus the first time through where I was scared out of my mind, just sweating bullets, trying to make sure I do the right thing. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, honestly, it was a polar opposite kind of experience, just as rewarding, but very different experience. Yeah. I, so quick question with Endgame. Did you go see it when it premiered? I did. They actually had um, not a big like red carpet kind of premiere like they do for the actors, but they had a uh, a crew premiere. And so there's a, a a big old theater out here in Atlanta that they uh, they rented out, and I think, it was, I think they had two different showings, and there was like 300 people or whatever filled essentially the theater, and and we all got to see it. Um, I think it was probably like two three weeks. I think before it came out. I, want to say, I was going to say um, what yeah, was, uh, I was just going to ask, like, if you experienced the crowd reaction 
to that hammer moment. Um, Cause when I went and saw yes. it, I saw it like the Thursday night premiere and the entire theater leapt to our feet, like just flipped out. Yeah. So it's a pretty yeah. important moment. Um, well, and, and, and everyone in that theater knew it was coming and we still had that reaction. Every one of us. It's so uh, like good. We knew the story intimately, but it, yeah. it, it still, it just stood out. And something that was really uh, important for me, uh, my mom was actually able to be there and come watch that um, and my sister. And so that big moment when it came out, she turned to me and she goes, it's you, isn't it? And I go, she goes, so proud of you. And I, I was just, you know, it, it's one of those, those small moments that you always hope for. Um, to have someone just just look at you and recognize your effort. And I got very lucky to be in the spot. I worked hard to make sure I could perform it. It came out, people liked it. And and, and people were very uh, complimentary. So I, you know, that whole experience was just, I feel like there'll be no, nothing like it again. I hope for it, but <laughs> I don't know what could match it. I don't know, it would take a lot. Um, right, like. yeah. Captain America picking up Molyneux. Nope. Mm -mm. There's nothing else. That's, that's the end of it. I, I could have, I could have been hit by a bus in the parking lot and I'd be like, life well lived. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in like stalking your IMDB credits and stuff, I saw it. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's how I get off my information is IMDB. Um, oh, you're, yeah. cre you're credited under Deadpool as uh, the mocap double for Ryan Reynolds. What's what's yes. it like doing mocap versus regular stunts? Um, well, I, and I will open with this. I was not the only motion capture double. Um, a number of guys did uh, a lot of work in that. Uh, Ross Kosman being one of the Americans that I've worked on. You know that iconic shot, Deadpool goes, he swings and throws this big twisting flip off the car when on the bridge and he shoots two people and he lands and he was like, that was his last two bullets or whatever it was. It's a super slow-mo, beautiful shot. That's Ross just being Ross. Um, but uh, especially when you're, when you're shooting motion capture, you can cheat a lot of things because um, something you have to remember is, so if I'm, if I'm being wronged, if I'm in the system, and I have my dots on and, you know, and I can sometimes they'll have monitors where you can see yourself, you know, when you move a hand, you can see it move on the monitor. And sometimes they can even overlay what your character that you're being looks like. And so if you're being like a creature or, or you know, like even a Viking or you're being someone of an assassin, being able to see, it's almost like seeing your costume. And it can really help inform you in your movement. And so you can kind of test things as you go. Uh, but also you can cheat a lot of things in motion capture because the moment my feet leave the ground, you can do anything, even when my feet are on the ground. But if say you're doing like uh, in the live show, you want to do some big wire gag, it's, it's lifted up into the air and then they come rotating back down and then they crash. Well, in motion capture, all you'd have to do is have the guy stand there, pretend to leave the ground and then pretend to do the crash because everything that's up in the air is digital. Um, so you can also use a lot more padding and protection, not on your person, um, because they will dot you exactly and they're trying to get exact measurements and things like that. So you can't put pads on you, but you will be able to put pads for the most part on the ground. Um, so you can do things a little bit safer. Sometimes things are, you know, you want a little bit of violence as well, so they can be just as, as gnarly. 
Um, but yeah, for the most part, you can do things a lot safer. You get to kind of see how things are going um, as you're moving. Like I got to work on uh, Spider-Man, the video game. And so they already had some pre-renderings up. And so we started making, when I was there, we made uh, a number of just the short attacks, long attacks, and then some of the, uh, the sneaking up and disarming a guard. And so they would, it was myself and Seth Austin, phenomenally talented guy as well. Um, and so they would pick, they'd go, okay, Justin, you're going to be the guard this time. And then we could see what the guard looked like. And then they'd make Seth Spider-Man. You could see the kind of the shape of Spider-Man and how he would move. So it would help alter what you were doing. Um, and ultimately you're in a big pajama, gray pajama suit. Uh, so you're not dealing with heavy boots or, or, you know, this cumbersome wardrobe. You're just kind of hot and that's it. Um, so I always, I loved all the motion capture work I got to do. I'd love to do more. Um, it's, uh, it's very rewarding and that technology is ever changing. They have suits now that you don't have to be in an actual volume. Um, Rokoku is one of the companies that does that. Uh, and essentially they make a suit that the markers, instead of referencing to cameras, reference to each other. So it captures the data in, in reference to one another as opposed to a different space. But it is, it, it's capturing a lot of the same information for you. Um, and I think that is a, a way that, that is a way of the future that will be used more and more consistently. Um, that was something that became a big interest, especially during the pandemic. When people physically can't be next to each other, how do you accomplish the same job? Well, you, you digitally put someone here and you digitally put someone there. Um, so I definitely think that those kind of suits and motion capture will become even even more important in the future than they are now, for sure. That's really cool. Um, I think we're winding down, but a couple more questions. What is the favorite project, your favorite project you've ever worked on? Oh boy. Uh, I, uh, crap. I just probably like a, a three-way tie, I think. Um, I would have to say, Endgame reshoots was phenomenal. Um, if not only for the opportunity I got, but the, but the grand scale of seeing everything as it was working. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, because that's one of the best teams uh, I've ever been a part of. Uh, I cannot wait. If there is ever a day we can all come together again, I, I drop everything and go through that. Well, I hope um, there's a season two. And I've heard nothing about it. That's full honesty. Yeah. So I don't, I, you know, that would be great. Um, initially when we were shooting it, the, the bale of goods we were sold was that, no, it is a one-off and, you know, but they said the same thing about Loki and we all saw the end of Loki and we have a he's season returning three. in season two. Um, so you never know. Uh, I really don't know, but, um, it's so too good to not have a season two. I feel like that, that's a phenomenal show. So CC, obviously Wanda's double, uh, my wife worked on WandaVision. I, Double Walker, worked on Falcon and Soldier, and we both agree that Loki's our favorite show of all three. Um, it's, Did you guys it's, get to watch the finale? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. Because yeah. I know um, when I talked to her, you guys hadn't watched it yet. So. Yeah, we hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because uh, we, <laughs> we've made a habit of being in different states or countries. Um, constantly um so 
since that we actually, Cece and I got engaged during the pandemic. Uh, August like 18th, we both went straight back to work. She flew to California. I worked in Atlanta. She finished in California, came back to Atlanta for three days, and then went to the UK for the rest of the year. I stayed and worked in Atlanta. Um, and then I actually, wait, how did that work? Well, she was in LA. I actually went to Prague and came back. She came home for a few days. She went to the UK. I worked here. She came back during the holidays for, I think it was two weeks. Um, then flew back to the UK. I stayed and worked in Atlanta. <laughs> um, I'm noticing a pattern here. Yes. She's highly in demand. Um, but yeah, we, we uh, so we, we find ways to uh, obviously be as together as we can. And one of the things that we do is, is we'll uh, live stream those shows together um, over the weekend or whenever we can. So uh, when WandaVision was coming out, Falcon and Soldier, and now Loki as well, we've uh, group watched those together. Um, but the hardest part about doing that is that if we don't watch it that night, Instagram ruins everything. <laughs> it's everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, I surprisingly I wasn't because I only just watched everything. I watched Loki the whole show for the first time this past Sunday and Monday, so a week ago. So I I didn't I ended up not watching it as it was being released, and I was so worried because that was how it was with Wandavision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I couldn't turn my phone on. Oh, I was yeah. so surprised that like I was getting nothing for Loki. I was kind of glad because I was like I know that I'm gonna need to catch up, but right. like. I was getting no spoilers for it. Lucky. <laughs> until the very end, until the finale came out and then stuff started coming. I was like, okay, now I have to like shut my phone yeah. off until I watch it. Well, and that's, it, it's a great upside. And there's also a downside to working in the industry. I'm very lucky to know these phenomenal talented people that work on all these shows, on these films. But when they come out, a lot of times people uh, like to put their work out there. Um, because for us, for us, social media is also our, our best advertising tool, uh, because it is such a social business. If a coordinator standing on set goes, you know, he's thinking about the work for the you know, next episode or the next week. And he's like, oh, well, I need someone this size who can do this. And someone goes, oh, there's this person. So your Instagram is like your resume, your Facebook is, is you know, your foot in the door sometimes. So, uh, it's important that we share things appropriately. Obviously we don't want to break NDAs and things like that, but Chances are the day something comes out, there's going to be spoilers leaked on, on online because all the people I follow and know <laughs> worked on what's about to come out and they want to share their work, uh, which I'll never knock. But I also am like, I know the whole movie now. <laughs> yep. A movie that just recently came out. I was like, oh, so that's the villain. Uh, this person doubled them. And here's one of the gags that they do. Like... <laughs> So it just, it can ruin some things sometimes, but it is what it is. Yeah. So what would you say, uh, what was your third? You had Endgame, Falcon and the oh, Winter sorry, Soldier. Oh, sorry, yes. You're good. And actually, actually one that uh, people probably wouldn't think of. I worked on season two of American Horror Story. Um, I doubled, uh, well, played double, uh, here we go. I doubled Bloody Face. But also anytime he was in the mask, it was just me. Um, so I got to do a lot of performing because he also didn't speak, obviously, when he was in the mask. So I got to, to learn a lot of performing about the uh, kind of the horror side of stuff because it's a little bit more rare that you get to play one of these characters. 
and I got to uh, play an orderly and, and, and uh, played a bunch of creatures on the show. And Tim Davison, the, the stunt coordinator on that season of that show, kept me so busy. Um, and honestly, you'd think going to like, and I'm going to blow up Glee's spot right now. So Glee, phenomenal show, ran for I don't even know how many seasons. That was a very tense set. They had a lot to do. They had a lot of money on the line. And so when I went to work on Glee, the other people I knew from the show or my boss, or those are the people and the, the things that I enjoyed about it. But for the most part, that was a really tense set to be on. But working on a literal horror show was the happiest set. Everyone was in such a great mood. Everyone was so supportive of one another. Uh, and it, it honestly, it blew my mind because I'm like, I'm walking around in this scary costume. And every time I turn a corner, someone's going, oh, jeez, you scared the crap out of me. But everyone is just in such high spirits. No one is like, that was one of the first shows I think I worked on where people were so aware that they were not inside the show. Where I think sometimes people get to glee and there's this kind of air about it that people would kind of take on while they were at work. And that stress kind of leaks out into people. American Horror Story. Not at all. Probably my favorite set I've ever been on. Best crew. It was just phenomenally done. Um, yeah. And so that that's a random one. It, it's one that's, you know, deep in the resume. Uh, but I loved working on that show. American Horror Story was great. So much that's fun. Cool. I haven't watched it. I'm not a fan of horror. So the name itself you is You will like, not. Yep. Yeah, I saw some Mr. pictures. Murphy, uh, I saw some pictures of on no. your profile. I was like, no, I'm okay without this in my life. That's that's, that's the tame stuff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, that would that happened earlier in my career, and I know my mom was, my mom and dad were so proud, and they're like, oh, we just want to see what you're working on, and, and I'm working on that <laughs> show, and I'm like, you shouldn't see what I'm working on. Please don't watch it. Uh, and unfortunately, um, some people in my family did not listen and made it through about the first 20 minutes uh, of the first episode yeah. and were like, oh, goodness. Um, okay. <laughs> so, like, I warned you. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's such a rewarding show. And, and again, because it, it's a lot of people wouldn't, it's not anyone's number one show. And, and Ryan Murphy pushed the envelope hard on that show. Like, I'm I mean, it's still going on. So. On some people like it. Oh, right. That it just picked back up. Right. Oh, yes. I mean, first season, I, I would say if you can make it through first season, you're, yeah. you're good. Um, because first season, I think, is, is as bizarre as it is. It's probably the most tame, but has the most intellectual property to it. It's the most, holy crap, that's, what, that's what's been going on this whole time? Like, very rewarding season if you can make it through it but i don't want to push anybody to watch it i think i'm good i'll take your word for it um <laughs> so those are your favorite projects to work on what would be one of your dream projects if you could get hired for anything what would it be hired for anything i would i would be remiss if I were never able to work in a doubling capacity on a Star Wars project, um, I came up doing staff 
uh, on a martial arts circuit. And that's actually one of the things that got me into the business was uh, my bow staff work. And so when Phantom Menace came out, and you saw that double lightsaber. I lost my crap. And I have ever since then been dying to do a double lightsaber fight in a Star Wars movie. Um, I'm confident I could do it well and bring something new to it. Um, but the chances of the opportunity coming, uh, you just never know. I, I guess I always thought that I'd never in a million years have a nomination for an Emmy. And through some blessing or another, here we are. So uh, that would be my, my ultimate job. Um, be, beyond you know, coordinating our second unit directing, as far as performing goes, before I'm too old to do it, I would, I would kill to double someone or be a character in a Star Wars film and be able to do that. Not a stormtrooper because those suits are awful. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, would be, that would be my ultimate. I would love to do that. I would be more satisfied and fulfilled personally than professionally, I think, um, to do something like that. I mean, you never know. There's Crew-wise, I'm noticing there's more of a Marvel Star Wars crossover now than ever. So. Oh, for sure. Um, and they're, they are working on Kenobi. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the actual name of the show. But, uh, I know they're working on an Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. And uh, I, I was working on another job. Man, I was trying. I was trying so hard to make my way hey, over there. But there's a Mandalorian so, you know, season three coming. So that hasn't started and filming I'm yet. I'm sure it'll be insane. It won't start filming until I, wonder, I think after Kenobi's released. So you have time. Get my bow skills out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did bow for so like just bow. Like went to my karate school, opened it, would be in the back for like six hours just doing nothing but bow staff, and then I go home. And I did that for probably two years straight. Um, before I started competing on the circuit and doing just staff on the circuit. And I did some fighting and form stuff. And then I was like, ultimately all I want to do is staff. Um, so, and again, it was something that got me into the business. Um, I, being able to uh, spin a staff got me on Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, doubling Ben Walker randomly. Um, and uh, yeah, now you got me thinking about it. Now all I want to do is there you go. find the next Star Wars project. Yeah. <laughs> I have very basic bow staff skills um, and, and nunchuck. Very, very basic on those. See, and I've always been a big weapons person. I, I, I took to weapons very quickly early on when I was first getting into martial arts. And um, I love the create, creative side of it, like what you're able to do with you know, a, a pair of nunchucks. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Matt Emig. Have you heard of him? A little bit. Uh, Matt, Matt is, is the most talented person that's ever held a pair of nunchucks, uh, Bruce Lee included. Sorry. Uh, Matt Emig is just, he revolutionized the whole weapon, made it something that's really fun and interesting and even more aggressive and, and to an extent believable. Because uh, a lot of people, you know, you see someone hold a pair of nunchucks and you're like, what are you going to do with that? Like, just the, the weight of that. But the way Matt does things is just... He's, he's not even the next level. Like, he's in the building next door, 50 stories up. And we're all just like, holy crap, we can never be over there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we just always focused a little more on, uh, like, sparring and hand-to-hand fighting more than the weapons. Uh, yeah. But the school I went to, we rented our space, so we we only had, like, so much amount of time per class. It wasn't, like, a, a building you could spend all day on. So I think that was one of the biggest right. reasons. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, that's, yeah, that's about it. That's all I had. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, we talked for a while. It was just super fun. Oh, yeah. No, I had a blast. Sorry, I probably chatted your ear off here. No, I love it. <laughs> I love learning all about it. It's, um, yeah, no, it's super cool. I love learning everything. Mm. People's experiences, people's stories, the ins and outs, in and outs of it. Um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, people's stories can be really fascinating. If that's one one very consistent thing that I could say about the industry is that how everyone got in the business, for the most part, it is unique to themselves. Um, yeah. There, there's rarely I hear two stories that are the same. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I went to stunt school. It's like, and that's another interesting thing about stunts in the U.S. is that in the U.K., you have to be certified. You have to go through a, a number of processes and, and, and get a number of different certifications in order to work in the union as a stunt person. We don't have that in the U.S., um, so the availability to actually be a stunt person or just say you're a stunt person, which happens, uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot broader. Um, you, you can say at any day, oh, yeah, I'm a stunt person. Well, okay, what are your qualifications? Uh, I'll do anything. Okay. <laughs> That's not a good way to enter into stunts because uh, I, I don't want to work with anyone that would just do anything. Um, I want someone who takes it, takes it seriously um, because it is a job. It's a fun job, but it also is a dangerous job. Um, and if all you're thinking is I'll do anything, I don't want to be the guy in the car next to you because you're going to do something that gets me killed. Um, right. I always like saying yeah, I'll do what I'm told to do. That's good. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do what you tell me to do. Which is, yep. yeah, pretty much my first forever years of this business <laughs> um yeah but you yeah, want me to jump uh, off this building oh i'll, I'll try all right <laughs> what's at the bottom anything uh that little bucket of water yeah, I, I'll... that like i was in cartoons the high dive into the little bucket <laughs> that's all that's there <laughs> i'd be so impressed honestly like taurus award what, uh, what would that be under it wouldn't even be hardest hit or what high work High work into bucket of water. <laughs> high dives. It'd be interesting. High dives. We don't have a lot of high divers anymore. That was that was one way that a lot of the uh, OG pirates, pirates, cowboys, I should say, uh, got into the business. I was thinking about the pirates of dinner adventure show in Florida. Um, <laughs> guys that were high divers became high fallers. The guys that you know, would go out 30 stories of a building. Um, I, I remember there was a, one coordinator in particular that was telling me about a guy that had to do a high fall and they were, I want to say South Beach, um, somewhere in Southern California off cliffs. And so that there was a little like foot wide, maybe two inch base that was sticking out of this, these cliffs. And that was where the performer had to jump from. So he climbs down to where he has to go. 
when he gets there, well, there's no room for him to actually turn around. Literally is no space for him to actually cross or, or, or get back around. And he doesn't want to take off on his heels either. So he's facing a cliff wall. The cliff wall is like this, and he's here. So even if he were facing forward, he can't see where he's going because the, it's, it's bent out. It's, it's down here. And so he's got a walkie on him, apparently. Uh, and the guy goes, hey, are you good? He goes, is the bag where I told you to put it? Yeah. Cool, here we go. Three, <laughs> two, whoa. And, and it was something stupid, like 85, 90 feet blind backwards off a cliff into an airbag he hadn't seen yet. Um, now, is that insane? Yes. Is it necessary? No. Uh, but all the props in the world, um, and especially unique background of getting, coming into the business. I used to dive into water, and now I dive out of buildings and off cliffs, uh, not to water. <laughs> I don't know um, if there's enough money in the world that I could do that. Oh, there's enough money in the world. <laughs> not that exact scenario. I would like to at least be able to see the bag. Yeah. If well, I can see the bag, there's plenty of money. Yeah. Well, there's always that story you hear about. Um, there was a stunt performer, uh, just a just a legend, who comes out of a helicopter to a, a to a bag that's on the top of a skyscraper. And as it was described to me, when he's in the helicopter, the the airbag is less than the size of my thumbnail. It's, it's tiny little center dot. And that dot is essentially the entire roof. So if he's that high up, any minuscule amount of sway or movement, you don't just like, oh man, I chipped off the bag. It's like, no, I fall another 300 feet to concrete and I'm dead. That's it. Um, and so you hear about that kind of stuff, these old school, these, and again, I keep using the, the phrase cowboys because honestly, they were all just wild. Um, it wasn't a good day's work unless you broke a bone. And as much respect as I have for that, because they paved the way for all of us that have come since, um, it's not necessary anymore. Um, to me, I've always said the name of the game is longevity. I want to be able to do this for as long as I can do it. I want to make it home safe to my loved ones, to my family. And at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm still myself. Um, and there's plenty of ways for us to be able to accomplish that now. Uh, and so I, I think that's the direction people should be going. It's not, oh, I'm crazy. I'll do anything. It's I'm very calculated. I see all the angles. Here's how I can give you what you need. And I get to go home. Um, so that's always something to think about, I think. Uh, some people aren't just the crazy jocks. Not all of us. Most of us are really calculated thinking. I know some, some literal genius level IQ people that are technically just fall down for a living. Um, and they do it well because they think of all those things. And, and we all try to protect each other because we're a family. Because at the end of the day, you got to trust everyone that's around you because at any given moment, your life's in, your, in their hands and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so don't be a crazy jock. <laughs> think of all the angles. <laughs> and have fun. Man. Math really follows you everywhere. Man, I do my best to not have to do math. I am not, I am a great assistant rigger. I am a horrible lead rigger because it is so much math. 
you got these guys, um, the whole Huggins family, Ralph Koch, uh, Mike Lee, Joe Ross, all these just top tier riggers. And it's Matt all day. And I give them all the props in the world because I don't feel like I'm smart enough to do that. And they literally do math to save lives. And they're real good at it. It's crazy. Yeah. I almost failed math three years in a row in high school. And I actively found a way to avoid getting my chemistry credit in, in my chemistry for my science credit by taking something, taking anatomy because I knew chemistry was math and anatomy was memorization. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was awful in school. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, my wife. She's lovely. She's very complimentary. I oftentimes be like, I'm not smart enough for that. She goes, Yes, you are. Um, I would I would probably say I'm not book smart enough for a lot of that stuff because I I just struggled in school. I, I I learned very differently from everyone else, and you know, I, I went to a public school system that did not. Uh, it's public school. You don't need to say more. Yeah, you know, metal yeah. detectors at the door. and So you, you can only take away as much as you can really take away. And ultimately what I learned is that I don't learn like this. Uh, I'm a very visual person. I'm a, I'm a physical person. And so I will always learn better that way. Um, and stunts being a physical job makes it real easy to learn on the job. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again for doing this. This has been yeah. fantastic. Absolutely, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I, again, I probably talked to you off, but I just, I love this industry and I love answering people's questions about it. Yeah. And I love learning about it. Uh, that's why I'm super pumped to go down to Atlanta, if anything, just to learn about it more than anything else. Cool. Well, thank you again, Drew. I appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, this was great. So I will hopefully see you later. Absolutely. All right. Bye. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. And if you have any movie facts or questions you want to add, send us an email at moviesandmocus20 at gmail.com. Or if you have any movie suggestions you want to add to our list, let us know what you want us to talk about. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for the Movies and Mocus Podcast. Have a great day, guys.